Welcome to System Mastery, the podcast where we gingerly examine an alive horse 1d6 damage at a time. No, no, that can't that can't be right. Hang on, let me check this. Published in 2018, written by a person we've watched the littlest hobo with personally, actually good? No, 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 this is all wrong. It should read Spider-Man definitely menace. Anyway, we're reviewing Starcrossed a game about budding romance and the tensions it brings. It's System Master. Okay, John, before we get started today, we have a couple of announcement masteries. Why, in fact, I have enough announcement masteries to last us until January. There's announcement masteries at last. <laughs> yeah, we're doing fine on announcement masteries. That doesn't mean you should stop purchasing them, by the way. If you uh, if you don't mind the ad being, you know, at a time of our choosing, it's it's a good time to buy them because we're going to raise the price in about a month. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and if and we, we run out, a- we're just going to sit there going, but there was time now. <laughs> can't run out of them uh, but we got we are gonna we are gonna be raising the price at, at, at the beginning of 2021 uh but you can buy them now and bank them why noted friend of the show and network head james d has purchased two as well i'm not gonna say his entire last name that would be giving away who he is yes it's james dean it was james dean uh the porn one not the act not the other one the dead one yeah the, the wait no the porn one's the alive one yeah, the porn one's the bad one, though. I know, he sucks, and we're not going to do his ads at all. So, yeah, that, in fact, we're just discounting that entirely. But again, if you want to do one of these, you just go to uh, systemmasterypodcast.com. There's a button you can click. Uh, there will probably, I will probably be changing that method with the new year because I can't access the, all I can do is get the money. I can't see what people tell me to type. I have to send them an email afterwards. It's awful. Yeah, it's a Our garbage is, system. Our website has changed its back end like six times. I, I can't control <laughs> it anymore. <laughs> I get it. Anyway, let's do this. Enough whining. Let's get some ads. John, why don't you go? All right. Hey, y'all. Welcome to the world of Super Idols RPG, where superpowers exist, but only among the musically inclined, especially those with dreams of pop star fame and glory. Join GM Aaron Cerise and a table of queer, gender-diverse players as they play teen idols aiming to master their powers, find their identities as artists, and make a name for themselves. Super Idols RPG is a narrative-heavy homebrew masks campaign with elements of high school comedy, magical girl anime, showbiz drama, and superhero action. Episodes have full music and sound effects and release every three weeks. So check that out over at superidolsrpg.wordpress.com for more details. That is superidolsrpg.wordpress.com. That sounds cool. I like the idea of it not... I mean, it sounds like a unique premise for a for a uh, AP, and I appreciate that. I've always that's a, that's really a, liked the yeah. idea of superpowers tied into music and songs and things like that. I came up with a character for a comic book years ago that I tried to actually get written that was uh, along those lines. And it was super great, and I love it, so this sounds great. Have you statted the character out in Sentinels yet? I haven't, but I should, now that you mention it. 
Ooh, something to do. Well, okay, anyway, that like I said, that sounds awesome and unique, and I recommend you check it out. Now, I have one to do as well, uh, and here I go. Sail is a new role-playing game by Kaz Swanson. Sail lets... I hope that's Kaz and not Cass. Whatever. Kaz and or Kaz Swanson. Sail lets players take on the role of dashing swashbucklers as they sail the high seas and fight and an evil empire. And dash bucklers. They swash them bucks and dash them swashes. Players can seize Imperial Navy ships, turning their cargo and wealth to better use, or they can go hunting for the buried treasure of long-dead pirate kings. Sail is a bolt-action RPG game, so that's why it's called Bolt. I've been wondering, uh, which means it's based on the lightning-fast D10 plus D4 resolution mechanic from the Bolt RPG by uh, Ajay Pandey, though you don't need the core Bolt rules to play, featuring... Quick but option-filled character creations to create your ideal pirate OC. Arr. And pirates do indeed love the sea. The quick, cool, and engaging combat rules of the core Bolt game. Communal ship creation rules. Instead of trying to recreate the physics of sailing ships, sail captures the feel of your ship with core attributes and skills just like a player character has, including the ability for players to create brand new skills to represent their ship's unique talents. Quick but clean ship-to-ship combat. As your ship takes damage, you'll slowly lose access to its skills, all the while making sure to keep your crew from losing their nerve and surrendering. Open-ended magic skills that leave room for inventive and clever problem-solving. And a GM advice section that contains the revolutionary advice that GM should also have fun. Sale is currently in a beta fate, but okay. I, I know, it's not true, right? D- GMs should suffer, suffer for our pleasure, and in exchange, they get to be weird about pizza. That's the rules. <laughs> That's the rules. Uh-huh. It has been for forever. Sale is currently in a beta form, though the game rules are basically done. An update with art included and cleaner layout is coming soon, and probably some bug fixes. Check Sale out over at HTTPS colon double ba- double slash calivmere.itch.io slash sale rpg and uh just in case that's a little tricky to find out i'm going to make sure that we have that linked on in the episode description and in our twitter and patreon so that you'll be able to go and find it fairly easy uh so go find it there and check out the sale rpg by kaz swanson okay that's everything from this week's announcement masteries we'll see you on the other side with system mastery Welcome back to System Mastery. Uh, you know that it, what this is. It's me, your host, Jeff, joined, as always, by my co-host, John. John, how are you? I'm okay. Yeah, that's good. I'm Just uh, okay. Just okay. Not not amazing. Fine. Yeah, I am I was, doing I was falling asleep level. before. Yeah, doing level. You're, you're staying the course. Yep, I'm, I'm fine. Uh, Just fine. We're all fine here. How are you? <laughs> well, that was a boring conversation anyway. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. No, I, I, I feel you. I never, I, I didn't have a bad day or anything like that, but I was dead tired almost all the way through it. Uh, I, at one point, I knew that I was too sleepy to maintain a no TV stance for Sage, and I put on a nature documentary about Babarusa, which are like a kind of wild pig. And I started snoring within 20 seconds. Wow. Nice. I, 
I woke up when she did what she calls piling on daddy, which is when she flings herself across me with vigor and speed. Good. She gets this running. Yeah, she gets this running start going and she like jumps on me and she goes, pile on daddy. And and it's uh, it's very adorable <laughs> and it's useful when you have fallen asleep doing the one job you have. Yeah, that's good. It's mm-hmm. much better than waking up when something terrible has happened. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You've got a good point there. So uh, we're going to be talking about Starcross today. Uh, Starcrossed is uh, we we talked about this a little earlier uh, on Twitter. If you follow us on Twitter, you'd you know about this. That I, I put up a poll after we did. I don't know. I think it was Itris Buy, where yeah. I asked people, "Hey, we did a review of a You're newer wrong. game. Was it is not Itris Buy? What was it? Uh, Teens in Space. Oh, Teens in Space. Okay, I didn't know which one of those came before the poll or after the poll, but fine." Because Eatress Buy was what, like 2015? So it's it's in the wheelhouse, too. But uh, the idea was, hey, w- could we talk about new games sometimes? Like, maybe a little? Maybe give it and, a little bit? Yeah, so I put up a poll on Twitter that was, you know, hey, w- what do you think? Should we do a, the occasional new game just to sort of reset our caliber, our metric for what's crazy and what's, what's fine? Uh, get get more involved in the world of modern game design just a little bit, and I frankly expected everybody to just be like, "Fuck no, stay stay in the seventies, you goons." <laughs> but instead, I want you it was down more... in the gutter where you belong. <laughs> Quit trying to rise above your station, peasants. <laughs> uh, but instead, it was overwhelmingly the opposite way. People do want us occasionally to talk about new games, and so we've decided to. Dip our toe in the water, and we've started here. Starcrossed is a 2018 game by Alex Roberts, and it is a fun one for us to talk about because it's a great example of something I love in modern game design, which is uh, extreme specificity. People I know. It, it's <laughs> I've only met Alex twice. I mean, she's she's lovely, great, oh, great, a lot of fun Alex to talk to. Yeah, especially for introducing us to the littlest hobo. God bless. Yes. <laughs> For those unfamiliar, The Littlest Hobo was, I believe, a Canadian TV drama. That is the whole a, point of it, is that it's Canadian. Yeah, a, a Canadian TV drama about a German shepherd that goes around solving problems. It's it's like MacGyver turned into a dog and goes around helping people and... At first, you're like, oh, okay, this is just sort of a a nice family show where, like, a friendly dog shows up and, like, I don't know, scares off a burglar or, like, helps someone yeah. find love or whatever. But, oh Get my god, from the more you watch it, the more it is like, what is happening? As soon as yeah, the first episode I watched, a dog parachutes out of a helicopter to deliver medicine to a sick child, and I'm like... Holy shit, what am I watching? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Littlest Hobo features a very great deal of, oh, you know, him, the, the the lead dog in question, backing down a bear so that a kid can get out from under a log in time, or delivering mail to people who live way out in the sticks, and he's always on the, the move, never settling down in any one town. It's like, uh, but like then he has the like, Incredible Hulk, but a dog. He- he has to fight the evil wolf version of himself where like <laughs> he's incredibly smart and like 
understands people and what they need and how to solve problems. And then there's like a trickster god that shows up that's a wolf that also understands that and is trying to get him in trouble. It is... I've seen... (laughs) Monstrously crazy. I've seen very few episodes of it, and one of the only couple I've seen involves a scientist deciding that he that this dog can't be normal and has to be some sort of magic super dog and trying to catch the dog, not out of anger, but just out of like, we have to figure out what's out with this dog. But the dog thwarts him at every turn anyway. (laughs) Oh, yeah. He's like, ah, this is clearly like Canis superior. And then the littlest hobo straight up is like, you cannot know my secret, and steals his research and destroys it. It is just, wow. Now, honey, you know I'm not a dog scientist, but allow me to pull down this dog scientist chart. (laughs) Uh, This is now Uh, a littlest hobo appreciation podcast. Fuck it. Well, I mean, ultimately, I don't want to do a Littlest Hobo appreciation podcast without Alex on the show. So what this actually is, is Alex Bait. <laughs> this is Bait. Please, please talk about the Littlest Hobo with us. Next se- season of TV Mastery is Littlest Hobo. Please join us. Oh, dude, that's the first thing you said that I would agree with. <laughs> All you're like, no, it's always going to be first seasons of garbage CW drama. I'm like, fuck you and your dumb shit. Give me the littlest hobo. (laughs) Uh, Well, you may just get your wish. (laughs) That would be fantastic. That would be so much value add to that podcast as well. I'd be I'd be way into that. Uh, Okay, so Starcross, the reason what I was trying to say much earlier on before we went down the littlest hobo path uh, (laughs) was that I appreciate modern game design for its dedication to specificity, where rather than trying to build an engine that can tell every single story and do whatever you, whatever it needs to, but not very well, th- this game is all about telling one very specific story with interchangeable pieces. Uh, yeah. And so all of the rules are bent towards telling the story of people who are falling in love over the course of a brief window of their lives. Now, Starcross uses a... Uh, not called Go Jenga right. Tower of Bricks. <laughs> I was going to say, are we going to break the brand name restriction? They never do in the book. No. Oh, I mean, we can because who gives a shit? Uh, right. But, that that lady who invented that game going to come after us? Good luck. Good luck coming after me. I'm hiding in the <laughs> littlest hobo hole. Uh, <laughs> John is Canis Superioris. <laughs> I'm smarter than an average dog, but not by much. <laughs> Now, personally, I'm not a dog scientist. That's my role in this. <laughs> now, please excuse the posters of dog science in the background and a dog skeleton I have. God damn it. We are being <laughs> way too specific about that one episode of a show from what, like 1971? <laughs> <laughs> so it uses the Jenga Tower, and that might sound familiar to you if, like, another fairly recent RPG darling uh, Dread is something you know, where Dread uses the tower, like, pulling blocks and things in order to generate tension as far as horror and suspense goes, whereas Starcrossed is using this more as sexual tension or romantic tension, really. Yes. Yeah, so it's... All about that kind of halting tension step between 
deciding that people like each other and that that first kiss. And uh, of course, it doesn't have to play out that way. Uh, you can, if you're happy to be un- unusually good at Jenga or not Jenga, as the case may be, uh, you can finish the game without spilling the tower and never even fall in love at all. Or maybe you do, but you just never works out the way you needed to. Yeah, the I mean, the whole thing is there's only one real hard and fast rule when you're making your story and making your characters is that it's just two players and Mm -hmm. these two people have to be like attracted to each other. There has to be a mutual attraction, but there also needs to be a very good reason for why they cannot give in to that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely right. They they have to be separated by some kind of gulf that's difficult or even impossible to uh, to cross in order for this to work. And it can be anything you want. The examples that they provide you are, are uh, very good. You've got like, oh, this woman's the space emperor and she's in love with a vizier and she can't be with him because that would be beneath her station. But they're pulled together inexorably anyway. Or the, uh, the much more straightforward and... and uh, un- kind of relatable these two guys are in sports together and they're not they're not gay or anything but god they just love each other so much i just love spending time with you and watching you work out your rippling muscles and i just want to get lost in your arms (laughs) exactly so you've got both you've got uh both of them have various reasons why the main characters cannot be or the only characters in these cases cannot be together but uh the story is of how they they bridge that gap how that how they force that connection even in a situation where it should be impossible yeah and i i like the different things that this game does uh as far as gameplay is concerned in order to not only help the narrative that you're doing instead of just completely relying on you know the whole jenga tower thing for tension there's a lot of little extra rules in play that add more nuance to thing helps differentiate it from being it's not just like a dread hack it is its own thing yeah there's a lot of things here that i i I mean i own dread but i've never actually sat down and read it because i'm new to reading new role-playing games uh so the the whole thing one of the things i found fascinating in this is the rule that if you are speaking in the game you have to have your it your hand on the tower. And and so I was like, okay, that's that's a neat way to build a little tension because not only are you constantly pulling tiles from the tower, but you've got to be touching it, this unstable tower that could collapse at any moment. So it has to be worth it to talk, and it's building this extra tension that you're willing to to uh, to lay your, your hand on it. Uh, with, with, and I'm not sure if Dread has that same rule. I don't think it does. No. That's one of the things that I really like about it is you yeah. can describe the scene you can describe your movements how you look what's going on but if you want to actually communicate in some way talk to the other person you are forced to interact with the tower and you know like jeff was saying especially later on in the game once this sort of tension has built even putting your hand on the tower is something that could topple things over. So it helps build this even talking to this person 
could lead to a you know break in whatever you're trying to do. Oh, absolutely. That I mean, that's a perfectly understandable and, and very story friendly part of the uh, the unspoken attraction between the people is you hit this point where you're so close to boiling over with desire for them that you'll just break the barrier even if it even if it ruins your chances and uh, that's exactly what would represent for having your hand on the tower and it's just falling over because you're trying to talk to them oh yeah and I do love as well one of the other things again that really sets star-crossed apart from say dread is when the tower falls it isn't always going to mean the exact same thing as far as what happens later fall the tower falling does mean you both give in to your passion right then but this game has a like ticking clock of score for Mm -hmm. you know how much have you two been able to, you know, solidify this relationship, really build this relationship up before it falls? Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> and so if before you, the blocks come crumbling down, if you give in to this passion super early, it could just mean like, oh, this is disastrous because you haven't really thought about it. It happened so quickly. And either, you know, this, because of whatever reason you should be apart, this ruins things, or it could be just, oh, you drift apart because it wasn't really like a true lasting relationship. It was just a passionate romance. You know, it's got different things that can happen. And like Jeff said before, there is always the chance that you'll just end the game without the tower falling. Yeah. Yeah, and if that happens, then you think, okay, well, that means both players are super good at Jenga, right? So so obviously that means that they get to their true love. No, no, if the tower never falls, then you never get together. And the story you're going to play out at the end instead is sort of a bittersweet epilogue of how you never made the, that uh, that connection, how that gap never got bridged. And, and it doesn't how you're have always going to gonna be... know what didn't happen. Oh, yeah, it doesn't have to be a bad thing. You can get to the end and be like, you know what? the story we were telling, it's actually probably for the best that we didn't act on this. You know, much as we might have been into the idea of being together, you know, whatever the scenario you set up, it may be a better ending to just, you know, go your separate ways and never act on it than to give in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Perfect for if you're role-playing like the relationship between Stevie Nicks and Mick Fleetwood, where one (laughs) wish that they maybe had gone their own way. Instead of having the tumultuous, you know what, never mind, though, because their breakup caused the Rumors album to exist, and that's a fucking jam from start to finish. Yeah, you don't want them to go their own way. No. No, you want you want them to lay them down in the tall grass and let both of them do their stuff. <laughs> oh, no, Tusk. don't lay in that t- tall grass. There's a landslide. <laughs> Uh-oh, both of us just said things that weren't on Rumors. <laughs> John, I'm afraid we broke the chain. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Okay, so uh, taking it from the beginning, uh, the book more or less starts with smart advice. This is going to be a game about romance and about going there in a way that a lot of other games don't. So the the opening bit of advice is, you know, be truthful, be speaking from the heart at all times when you can, and make sure that everything happens collaboratively, which is very smart because 
you absolutely have to in a game that's so intimately, uh, both intimately created and intimately played, uh, where it's just two players. Uh, the game is so intimate in design that there's a, a section in here about where on the table to put the tower so that you don't block eyeline from each other. Oh, yeah. It's, it's really good at both presenting this scenario of, like, you know, forbidden love, but also giving you advice for, like, this is how to really, you know, engage with that idea and being very upfront of like, this can get fairly intense. It does have uh, the X card in it. Uh, for those that don't mm -hmm. know, the X card being a safety tool in RPGs that was created that you can just tap the card if something is making you uncomfortable and just it's gone. You don't you include it. You don't need to talk about it or reason out why it's just gone. So you can, you know, stay comfortable in how you're playing. It's so rare for uh, the two of us to get the chance to talk about safety features and safety tools in role-playing games because old games just don't have them. And what they have instead often is the opposite of safety tools. Like, is one of your players being reticent about talking? Force them to or take XP away from them for being a bad role-player. Oh, but here we yeah. see... the. <laughs> The actual, the X card, uh, properly credited uh, to John Stavropoulos, uh, where I know that uh, I think most recently D&D &D put out their their Tasha's game that had the, uh, the a couple of the safety tools in it. And it was just generic and it inserted in there without really checking with the people or anything. So it was nice to see mm -hmm. this properly inserted and properly referred. Uh, and God, I, I just I, I'm just uh, happy to see one. Whether it's any one of them, lines and veils, the X card, the the green light, red light system, uh, I, I love these things, and they are important tools at a table, especially a table at like a convention or a game store. They're just they're just great. Oh yeah, I mean, great when you're playing with strangers, and again, great if you're playing a game like Starcross that might, you know, traverse into areas where you aren't comfortable. Or, mm -hmm. you know, into areas where you might think, okay, maybe this will be fine. And once you get into it, you're like, oh, no, I can't. This is a thing we need to take out of the game. And having an X card be something where it's just, you remove this immediately. You don't need to talk about it as something where you don't have to be like, let me explain to you why something makes me uncomfortable. It's nice to have yeah. that in modern games. I appreciate it. Well, that... and. To me, it's more of an active or, or thing where it's a defense against people who would demand an explanation from you why you're not okay with a thing. Because I've been in that situation. And I, I got to say that one of the things I like so much about safety tools is in my whole history of role-playing games, uh, it, for as long as I can remember, I have never, ever felt like I needed to tap an X card. I don't, I'm just, I don't have a lot of, uh, of inbuilt sensitivities. I'm a very privileged person in general. So I've never needed one but God, am I happy they exist for people that do. Uh, and so I just want to put that out there because I know there's a lot of, I've seen a lot of people who are against these because they're like, I've never needed one. And I'm like, yeah, but you probably know someone, mm. someone who absolutely does need them for their own mental well-being and health. So just let them exist and be happy they do. Yeah, probably someone more people you have play. played with and that mm -hmm. was uncomfortable and didn't have a tool to use there. Yeah, I've just been super lucky. I've got a, a good group of role-playing game friends and everything. Uh, plus, I talk so goddamn much that no one else gets a word in edgewise so as to make me uncomfortable anyway. Hmm. 
I also <laughs> like that in this, when they're talking about, you know, being comfortable with it, there is also, you need to be prepared in playing this game to be uncomfortable, not in a way that's like actually detrimental to your mental well-being, but in a way that's like when you're next to someone that you are super attracted to, that you have a crush on or you love and you can't act on it, that's an uncomfortable thing to deal with in real life. And oh God, yeah, having that uncomfortable feeling in the game isn't a thing that you should necessarily avoid. You should really be using that level of like, oh my God, I, I'm so nervous or uncomfortable around this person. Mm -hmm. Like that's a great real life experience thing to bring to this game to really get the most out of it. Yeah, and who hasn't been in that position where they're sitting next to, like, their crush and they are unreasonably hyper-aware of the exact distance of every part of them from every part of you? Oh, my God. The, like, oh, our our legs are so close to touching because we're sitting next to each other. I could adjust just a little bit and just just touch their leg with my leg. Just a, just a little bit. And it's just that... A little thing that if I was sitting next to you, I'd be like, whatever, I don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my feelings. Oh, yeah. I don't care about you. You're a piece of shit. Nah, 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 nah. Senpai won't notice me. <laughs> but if I'm next to someone that I'm like, oh, my God, this person, then even the lightest touch is like, oh, this means everything. Everything is high stakes. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. You're never more in your own head than when you're measuring the distance between, like, knees. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Where you're like, so that's oh, exact, no, it's that's the a, movie that's... theater, and I could put my arm on the armrest and almost touch their hand. I wonder if I, if they'll buy a pretend yawn. <laughs> uh, okay, so, so yeah. Now, uh, the first thing that you need to think about when you're creating your characters, according to the game, is the uh, the lead and follow mechanic. Uh, which is basically one person in in the romance should be a little bit more active compared to the other person who should be a little bit more passive. There's always someone who's pushing versus someone who's not necessarily resisting, but but uh, being guided a bit more than the other person. So they, in, in this game, really comes, they, it comes down to intentional versus unintentional. So mm -hmm. the the follow is someone that is making an intentional conscious decision when they make some sort of contact or they reveal something about themselves. They are, I mean, basically the pursuer in this, in that mm -hmm. they're actively trying to do things to get with the other person. Whereas the lead isn't necessarily passive, but when they do something, it's almost unthinking and unintentional, like, oh, I, I, I like, you know, brush a hair from your face. And I'm not thinking like, ooh, this is going to be a way to contact them. You know, when you do it, you're just like, oh, I should get that hair out of their face. And it's only once you've done it, you realize, oh, my God, I just, you know, touched this person's face. Oh, geez. Yeah, I think you have their names backwards, but you're absolutely right in every other respect. The lead is the uh, intentional and the follow is the unintentional. Yes. Uh, uh, so 
so yeah, they, they, it's it's neat. And one of the things I appreciate about that is uh, being a, a, a bi person is that they there's never a point where they make a direct comparison between that and the top and bottom roles. Yes, because it's really not about that, which. I, I thought I mean I wasn't expecting it, but I was worried that I might find that kind of kind of easy connection, and those words never even show up. So that was that was appreciated. Yeah, it's much more about the sort of the flow of the scene and the things that you can do and how you interact. I mean, both yeah. of the people that are playing are going to have a character sheet. And you're going to have one person who has the lead character sheet and one person has the follow character sheet. And the actions you can take are different depending on who you're playing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It mostly boils down to the scoring mechanism. The uh, there's a move that a follow can only use once and a complementary move that a lead can only use once. And there is a move that will earn a lead points and a move that will earn a follow points, which are very similar. But uh you know, different enough to represent the two roles. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about, you know, if the lead does something intentionally, that's a move you can do once mm-hmm. per scene and it gets you a point. But if you want the lead to do something unintentionally to, you know, accidentally reveal something about themselves or, you know, accidentally say, Oh, I, I tripped and embraced you or whatever then that's something you can only do once per game because that's not your character. You're not the person who acts unintentionally. So the lead mm-hmm. only gets to use that, you know, once, whereas the follow has that a once per scene rather than a once per game. Yeah. And that exception is really important because those things are what give a romance story a lot of its spice is the time when the, or, or the moment where the person who ultimately up until now has been very passive suddenly makes a dramatic move or bold move uh, and it's unexpected and it changes the story. So I think it's smart. It's smart design. Oh yeah. So character creation is very simple. This game doesn't have any, the only thing that's number or, or a number that you will be measuring throughout the course of the game is the number of points that you accrue by doing moves according to your character sheet. Everything else is just writing down information. So you've got, some very basic details, and you're not even going to get to this character creation before you kind of set... There's a lot of scene setting you need to do, because this game does not come with a default setting, obviously. It's going to be the stories of people falling in love, and that can happen in any number of infinite variety of various scenarios between various two different people. Oh, yeah. And I mean, it gives you a lot of, uh, you know, interesting stories to do, not just the two examples we mentioned, but like... Say, if you want to do her, you could do a computer programmer and their AI. You could do Venom mm-hmm. as far as, like, the <laughs> human and their symbiote. The symbiote. Yeah. So yeah, you've or- got any two people that have, you know, some sort of gap between them. Yeah. And again, you could you could play that specifically to not have the character. Like, you could do uh, Dr. Venture and Dr. Mrs. Or, or yeah, uh, Dr. Girlfriend. And those two characters should not end up together, but they do have a couple of episodes that are like a little bit romancy and, and pushing in that direction with a with a pull apart at the end because it would have been a disaster for the story. Hmm. So so there's just you can do this unbelievable diaspora of different types of stories you're trying to tell, but you want to set that scene so that you know your characters make sense in it, or even that your characters don't make sense in it. I mean, one of the art pieces in the book is like an astronaut uh, getting comfortable with a fawn. 
So oh, I guess yeah. maybe his yeah his capsule crash landed in Narnia. Ah. So that's <laughs> oh, Mr. didn't Tumbles. even take off. Just went into the capsule and came out the other side of Narnia. He got in the capsule. Someone shoved it through a wardrobe. <laughs> no man, just testing the our capsule, capsule is the wardrobe. <laughs> I don't know if I can go with you on that because the capsule's on the other side in Narnia still. So the wardrobe, well, the wardrobe is on the other side. No, at a certain point when you're going through the wardrobe, you're not in a wardrobe anymore. You're just in a thick forest. When you come out the other side, you can't turn around and see a wardrobe standing there. <laughs> Read your C.S. Lewis. Ugh, I'd rather <laughs> not. I already have. <laughs> so... In any event, I mean, I just kind of appreciate the idea of someone getting into, like, the Apollo 17 capsule and then just having it shoved through a bunch of coats. <laughs> I just like the idea of a romance between Buzz Aldrin and Mr. Tumnus. <laughs> I mean, Mr. Tumnus is the kind of little shit that would claim the moon landing was fake, so it's going to be tumultuous. <laughs> That's why they can't get together. Yeah, it never worked. Both of them were too good at Jenga. <laughs> <laughs> and Mr. Tumnus just kept being like, I heard the whole thing was faked. <laughs> oh. It was the director of The Shining that did it. You could see the letters 2 and B on one of the rocks on the shot. By God, I'll punch you like I punch the moon. <laughs> but I love your eyes. Uh, so, yeah, okay. when you're when you're making your characters, you know, you're going to have to come up with. All right. What's the scenario? What are the people that we're going to be playing? And mm. then there are also, uh, once you sort of establish, all right, this is the genre or setting we're going to be in. Uh, this is going to be more or less sort of the two people that we think we're going to be playing as. You also have a question that you need to answer for yourself and a question that you need to answer for the other player. Yeah, uh, so the basic character creation rules. So yeah, you're first going to answer, who am I? And you're going to be answering that question. And then you're going to answer a second question to yourself, which is, what is my most attractive feature? Now, that one you are going to handle yourself because it's something you're proud of. Uh, you know, you say things like, oh, my, my proud bearing or my broad shoulders or my great big weathered hands, uh, w whatever your choice is. But it's immediately followed by what are two things about me that I don't realize are attractive? And obviously, you don't realize them, so you can't answer that question. And that's going to get kicked over to your your other player. Yeah, and it's because you don't know that you're beautiful, that's what makes you beautiful. <laughs> uh, God damn it. Okay, so, so then you have... <laughs> And then we get to that that uh, dramatic tension element we talked about earlier, because one of the uh, the character creation questions is, why can't I act on my feelings? And it's followed up by, why is that important to me? So why can't I act on my feelings is, what is the gap that's dividing us? Is it societal? Are we in the Victorian era and we have to stand 30 feet apart and we'll immediately tear off 45 layers of clothes and go at it? Uh, or is it... Uh, you know, literal, like you, the two people can't actually see each other. They're passing notes across via a bucket that drops down into a pit. I don't know if I necessarily want to do like Buffalo Bill, the, ro Buffalo the Bill. romance. Yeah, I was thinking more like someone who's stuck in a mine or something, but and, and not Silence of the Lambs. Exactly. <laughs> I'd fuck me. Would you fuck me? Tower Falls. Yes, I would. But it was a terrible idea, the narrator says. <laughs> Ooh, that was wrong. Don't do that. God, no. 
Don't play that. I can't recommend that game. Play the Buzz Aldrin and Mr. Tumnus one. <laughs> That's quality. Uh, yeah, the second someone's fin- like, well, I think we should play Silence of the Lambs, and you're just slamming that X card. <laughs> well, you're like, wait, hold on, hold on. Which Silence of the Lambs? Give me, give me the two characters. Is it uh, is it Clarice Starling and her stern yet yet uh, friendly to her trainer at Quantico, or is it going to be some serial killer? <laughs> it is. It is indeed Buffalo Bill and some lady he kidnapped. No, oh, no, yeah, hard hard pass. <laughs> I, I would almost be okay with Hannibal Lecter and Hannibal Lecter, where he's well, just sitting in his cell, cell thinking how great he is to himself. Because I've tried reading those books. Fuck them. Fuck. Oh, okay. no, what you want to uh, do is, of course, the star-crossed romance between Gollum and Schmeagel. <laughs> that would be great. I am I think I may have seen people doing that at a convention already, though. Oh, I'm still into it. Don't get me wrong. I am still into it. <laughs> I am into it. <laughs> How do they kiss? That's for Very them carefully. to figure out. Yeah. <laughs> And then the final question in the basic character creation is why is that important to me? Because you have to you have to have some measure of conviction on the reason that you can't act on your feelings so that you don't just break them at the beginning of the game because, you know, that's bad because you haven't scored any points yet and it's going to fail on you. So you have yeah, to have some kind of it to be important because you want to not just be like, oh, my character wants this and does it. You want the character to be conflicted, to be like. I do want this relationship, but I also value the reason that I don't have this relationship. Yeah, absolutely. You're creating the push and pull that you're going to need during gameplay. So that's that's good. And then you're pretty much done at that point. That's that's basic character creation. You've written all that down. There are a few other details in your character sheet relating to the types of actions you can take during gameplay. And that's it. The only other thing you need to do is set up the tower. Well, I do want to mention one thing. No. Uh, when playing, there's one more thing that you need to really remember about the lead and the follow. Mm. And, and that is, this game has scenes that you are going to be doing. Uh, yes, eight of that's them, true. in fact. Yeah. And the lead always starts the scene. They're the first mm-hmm. one to do something. And it is always up to the follow to end the scene. Yes. So the, the intentional partner... Uh, takes turns saying, okay, here I think we should be here. Uh, granted, all of this is still going to be very collaborative because you have to be up to the comfort level of the other player and yourself, but a lot of the lead's job is going to be things like, oh, I think maybe this one's going to take place in the locker room, and the other person's like, okay, I think we can work with that, but they're going to be the person who eventually says, I think that's enough. I think we can we can fade to black on this one and, and pick up at the next scene. Yeah, which... So that's cool. I mean, it gives the the follow a lot of power as far as narratively controlling how likely it is that you get together, but also how likely it is that if you do get together, if it's good or not, because if they end early, say before uh, both of you have had a chance to try and uh, do one of your moves that scores points or something like that, then it'll be easier to deal with the tower if you end fairly early because you're not pulling as many blocks. But it also Mm -hmm. means if you get to the end that even if the tower does fall, you're probably not going to have a whole lot of points. 
or you might just, you know, end without having the relationship happen. There's a lot of, uh, I feel like in this game, there's a lot of pressure on the follow for when to end a scene. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because you really do not want to let those points happen. I mean, granted the moment you said it, my first thought was that the follow was just going to be like a total asshole and set this and the scene that the moment it starts. Okay. So my character walks up to yours in the locker room and cut. Yeah. Cut, cut. Uh, Michael Bay made this romance. Yeah. We uh, we jump to a helicopter helicopter footage of an L.A. skyline. It's a hazy sunset. I mean, at least that's the one nice thing about being the lead is you get the first action in the scene. So Mm -hmm. you'll always be able to do something. But, you know, like you say, you're like, ah, yes, the lead shows up and is like, oh, hey, it's uh, good to see you. Cut. What the (laughs) fuck? Do you even want to play this game? I mean, obviously, that's that's the safety tool there is that, you know, people want to play the fucking game. So they're not going to they're not going to cut at the word high. Oh, I know. Although the thing I, is, I, I, I also <laughs> immediately thought of that same thing. But you doing it because <laughs> I'm a dick. Yes, because it's the kind <laughs> of shit that I'm like, oh, I know Jeff would pull that. I mean, I would, but only for the gag. I'd be like, no, I'm kidding. Go ahead. Go ahead. It just because it'd be funny to point to <laughs> That's all that that that's my level of humor involvement in this, because I would honestly want to play the game, but it would still be funny to be like, my character gingerly approaches you and begins mentioning something about tea cut cut. We're we're, we're good. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Thanks. <let's>, next <laughs> scene two, 65 million years ago. <laughs> OK, so uh, can we let's go to the tower now? Is that OK? We good? Or do you want to go over those cards? Because they are they are very interesting. Uh, they're organized such that they kind of play out the basic beats of a good romance story novel. They go from scene one to scene eight. It's important to note that because the tower could fall at any pole, you may not see all of these scenes. So uh, the the eighth card you may never see, which is probably fine because it's called Parting Ways, perhaps forever. But we go through. Well, yeah, because if you finish that and you're like, oh, well, I finished that and the tower's still up. Then you're like, yeah, we part ways. Yeah, perhaps forever. Perhaps, Uh, but perhaps not. (laughs) You go through an introduction, a little embarrassment, finding common ground, hard at work, close, quiet, and alone, a difficult choice, a disagreement becomes heated, and then, yeah, parting ways perhaps forever. So they're smart, and and, uh, when I popped them open, I I didn't know what to expect. I knew that they were going to be cards numbered one through eight and have a prompt, but I think they did a great job... uh, Alex did a great job of hitting these beats so that uh, they they do feel like a classic romance story. And I mean, they mention it in the book as well. These are very up to interpretation. The uh, like having a first meeting or an introduction doesn't necessarily mean these two characters are being introduced. They could have known each other since childhood. It could mean an introduction to a new person or the introduction of what's keeping them apart or anything else like any of the scenes can be and should be interpreted. However you, the players think it should be chapter two, a little embarrassment. Andy Dick has arrived. (laughs) Oh, look, it's a little embarrassment. I'm a little embarrassment. Oh, Mickey Rooney. (laughs) 
Okay. Uh, so finally, to the tower. Uh, the tower in this game is going to be set up, as I mentioned earlier, off-center on the table so that you can look in each other's eyes while you're playing your game. Uh, and you don't start from a unpulled Jenga tower, which I think was a mistake that you and I made when we tried to play Dread. Um, or maybe that's not even... Yes, we Dread, forgot you... to actually set the tower up. Yeah, we, didn't, we just didn't set the tower up at all. Yeah, we no tower. Take, we fucked we up. We just kept taking blocks out of a pile of blocks. Huh, nothing <laughs> fell over again. I these blocks here. Huh. All right. I guess I put this block on a table. Mm-hmm. It seems easy. Yeah, this game's way too... No, we're never going to get killed. No, oh, what I meant man, to say there's was... there's no tension at all. <laughs> what I meant to say was you start the game by having each player pull three blocks. So that the game starts with some of the Jenga tower already Jenga'd uh, to keep yeah, it from you being... you don't want there to be zero tension at the start. Yeah, you don't want the game to be boring, so... So you start with a little bit of basic Jenga pull uh, just to get the game to a good place. And if you can't collectively, between the two of you, pull six blocks, uh, try again. Because, you know, it's fun. It's fun to play Jenga. <laughs> and uh, we it also does, get... It follows the uh, the standard sort of Jenga rules of you should only be touching the tower with one hand at a time. So mm-hmm. no, like, trying to push a brick out while stabilizing with your other hand. Uh, yeah. You know, you can't remove anything from the top two rows when you remove something you have to put it up top it's it's all very standard rules as far as the actual removal and placement of bricks yeah it strikes me that i've never actually read the rules of jenga like i've played it a million times because someone's always got it somewhere and i have a copy but my copy's in chinese so i i'm not i'm not reading the rules of it uh but but um I, the one where it said, like, you can't push something out most of the way with one hand and then retrieve it on the other side of the tower with the other hand. I had never heard that one before. Is that one you usually play by? Uh, it depends. There are a few because the you can only touch the tower with one hand at a time is mm-hmm. normally a rule. There are some people who say once you touch the tower with one of your hands, that's the only hand you can use for that round. There are also mm-hmm. people like this game says you're not committed to a brick uh, if you've touched it, like you don't have to pull the first thing you touch. Whereas I know right. there are some like super competitive Jenga people who are like, the second you start pulling on a brick, you are committed to taking that brick and you have to do that. Man, I wonder if those people are fully reliant on like visual acuity to do that, because the whole trick to Jenga is that the there are three heights of brick in the in the uh, tower that are minuscule differences, but very important to make sure that the game actually plays. Hmm. That's always been the trick to Jenga is that the the blocks aren't actually identical. They are they are very very slightly different, so that some of them are going to always be a little easier to pull. Yep, and that's I think why people are like, oh, I want to do the you're committed to the first one you try and go after because that way you can have sort of a shorter game for people who are really good at it. Because otherwise you're yeah. like, yeah, we always go after the loose brick every time. Yeah, because that's say that's how I've always played. Go after the loose brick. Uh, my my biggest concern with this game was that as a Jenga player, I'm a flicker, and so I never feel like I'm going to get. I'll have to put my hand on it just to put my hand on it to talk. <laughs> I always try and get those blocks out with just a quick flick, just spin them across the table and nail the other person in the stomach with them. Oh yeah, I, I was thinking know. about that as well when I was reading this. I was like, oh man, what if I try and like karate chop a single brick from the middle of it? <laughs> See, I never try. I've never like swinging my arm at it, but I will line up a flick finger. 
Nah, man, when you've got one and it's like balancing on that single metal brick and you just Mm -hmm. fucking do like a quick chop at it. Ooh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, my way of playing Jenga is I like to have a series of tablecloths underneath the Jenga tower. (laughs) Aha! Okay, so that's that's the basics of uh, people all know how to play Jenga. Uh, after that, we get to basic moves. These are the things you can do that don't cost any uh, pull of a tower and that uh, don't generate any points for doing them. Yeah, and I mean, each can, one of these... like we said at the beginning, you can always describe the scene. You can describe mm-hmm. how you're moving. Things that don't really, you know, cause you to either touch or talk or, you know, reveal things or anything that would move the relationship forward that's free you can just do that who cares yes although you still always have to be touching the tower in order to talk uh i mean in dialogue is in speaking in character to the other person well yeah uh, describing that's what i was saying is you can't yeah anything that isn't talking to the other person is whatever just do it yeah now there there's a couple of costed moves and those are going to be flipped over which one who who can do them as often as they need to and who can uh only do them once per game and those are touch the and by costed move i mean you have to pull a brick from a ta- from the tower to do these things uh costed moves are touch the other character and reveal something personal and touching the other character obviously is an intentional action so it's the one that the lead can do several times per game and continue to score points for uh where revealing something personal is something that the uh unintentional or the follow character can do several times per game and get points for, uh, but can only do the other thing once per game for points. Uh, no, they can both <laughs> touch. Do I have that backwards or, or something? They can both touch and reveal. It's just the lead does it intentionally. The follow does it unintentionally. It's when you swap. It's not about the action. It's about intention and unintention. So ah, the lead unintentionally doing something is a once per game. Okay. Uh, so you just go back and forth and take turns like that. Now, whenever you do a move on that, according to your sheet, you should get a point. You get a point. And uh, I did appreciate that the dialogue can only be performed on your own turn, which creates an additional tension point where you really, really want to say something, but you've got to wait for the other player to finish pulling a brick before you finally can. And then you also have to be touching the tower and not touching the table. So the things you want to say need to be important, but also can feel super urgent because you're not allowed to say them until specific prompted points. I mean, that is a good thing you bring up about not being able to touch the table when you're doing your dialogue. You can't just, you know, for those of you who are, you know, like Jeff and always looking for a way around rules, you can't just (laughs) say, put your hand flat on the table and like gently touch your pinky to the lowest uh, brick and keep things stable. That way, you have to have your hand off of the table and touching the tower. For the record, I only bring up obvious ways to cheat at games so that I can pr- uh, proudly display that I discovered them. I don't play like that. <laughs> sure. I don't. We all Hell, believe you, that. I don't know how you've got this narrative spun around to where I'm the only person who does that. You discover, like, I'd say a good half to two-thirds of all the ridiculous shit you can do in every game we read. Oh, of course I do. Yeah. But I would never do There's that. There's no difference. I have a little thing called morals, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't. Oh. Oh, damn it. <laughs> okay. You're just trying to spin the narrative to make yourself look good. You're right there in the dirt with me. 
All right. So at this point, you pretty much go back and forth like this, playing scene cards whenever the uh, the, fo- the follow says, oh, let's cut. Then you move to the next scene card and you, and you go like that until the tower falls. Now, the tower can fall intentionally, and that's an important thing to mention. Uh, at any point in the game, if you're like, I can no longer hold in my feelings from the role-playing that we have been doing, it is the right time, according to my character, to do this. You could just smack the tower. Yeah. Now, whether you push it over or it falls down accidentally, whoever is the last person to have touched the tower is the mm-hmm. one who acts. So regardless of what the scene is happening or what's been set up, whoever was the last one to touch it when it falls is the one who finally, you know, declares their love, grabs the other person and kisses them, whatever it happens to show. It doesn't necessarily mean like, oh, the tower fell and now we bone. It could be, you know, very much, I take the other person's hand gingerly and say, you know, would you please do me the honor of this dance? <laughs> yeah. And also, it doesn't have any regard for the roles. So that's that's just another thing that I, I think is interesting. It can be the, the follow partner, if they're the one who knocks over the tower, who has to be, and fuck it, I, I take the lead for once. Yep. So... Okay, uh, at that point, we're just getting down into scoring because you have to score your game. Not so much to see, it's not like you're trying to race for points. It's because it informs a chart that tells you what kind of epilogue to tell. Yeah, and now you can go ahead. If you if you pull, you know, very few, it ends early, something like that, then you're going to have a bad ending. You know, whether mm-hmm. it's you rush into this too quickly and your connection is broken or, you know, you're very passionate, but it just sort of fizzles out. Those are the sort of things like, oh, you know, we weren't building an actual relationship. We just sort of rushed into things. But if you manage to get like 20 plus points, then congratulations. You just straight up have an amazing whirlwind romance. Yep, it's ultimate true love forever at 20 plus points. You you get the one that everyone dreams about. The movie ending where I the the super happy mega ending where where uh Tia Carrera is in a bikini. The really good one. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I mean <laughs> lo- high points doesn't even necessarily mean like happily ever after cuz 17 to 19 is you get a sweet cherished love with the bitter certainty of loss. That's pretty much Romeo and Juliet right there. Like, yeah, I in my notes I have it written down as that is Brokeback Mountain. <laughs> yeah, you can be like, ah, oh, yes, we definitely love each other. It was very nice, but we done goofed, and at the end, something is fucked. Yeah, the Brokeback Mountain ending where these characters found a way to be together a little bit over the course of their whole lives. Just this bittersweet connection and romance that lasted against all odds because the whole state they were in was completely against them. And then in the end, the state wins. So you have this bittersweet finish to everything. Very Brokeback Mountain. I appreciate the 17 to 19 range. Yeah. So, and then there's a few others as well, but I don't want to go through the entire game. This is a review, not a, not a how-to guide. Uh, so it's... Uh, yeah, except for everything else you've said. <laughs> hopefully no one was transcribing our, our dialogue throughout the course of this and just scored themselves a free copy of this game. Minus yeah. those two things. Or maybe we were lying You'll have to buy the book to find out. (laughs) I mean, you should buy it anyway. You should support game designers and help people who are making games. Yep. Yep. 
If you go to itch.io and look up Abandoned under the System Mastery name, you'll find my RPG there. Abandoned. Oh, sorry. Is that, th- is that the RPG that uses a common household toy or game to simulate a hyper-specific experience? Why, yes, it is. Hmm. <laughs> Rip off. Sorry, go ahead. Tell me all about it. It uses a jack-in-the-box, which no one else has done, and no one has been able to use it since. The one and only <laughs> original, very good, Abandoned. That's, yeah, I, I, honestly, it does seem like a very cool game. It's all, it doesn't only use jack-in-the-box either, does it? No, it's got playing cards and jack-in-the-box. There are rules if you do not have access to a jack-in-the-box to just use cards, because I realize probably not the most common thing ever, but... uh if you can get a jack-in-the-box, use it. It's nice. Now, did you think when you were building Abandoned and the jack-in-the-box mechanics about putting a die on top of the jack-in-the-box so that when it sprang open, it also flung a die across the room? And then you could read, uh, read the results of that die to add additional weird random shit? No. Oh, good. Then I'm going to take that idea. <laughs> I will unleash the second role-playing game that uses a jack-in-the-box. <laughs> the second worst derivative game... Yep, the second worst one, which means it's the best out of two. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so uh, the notes at the very back of the book are just sort of advice on how to play, and I really like them because they're they're a lot about just respect and listening and uh, understanding. Uh, We get a a lot of the notes. uh, I come from a place where I've been hurt by 185 other games. Uh, so for me, it's oh, the fact that the, the, uh, notes at the back aren't things like suspect your players, lie to them, hide things, go to their house at night, ah. mess the place up a little. I've just, the, the, the advice wasn't school marmy at all, which was nice. A lot of these things tend to be kind of officious for no fucking reason. So just good, good, uh, simple advice at the end. And with that, I think it's time to move into our favorites and least favorites. Oh, sure. Yeah. So, John, I'll let you go first. What was your favorite thing about Starcrossed? Uh, I want to say that my favorite thing, because there's a lot to like here, but I think my favorite thing is that you have to touch the tower in order to say anything in character. Mm-hmm. I I really love that little extra bit of having to engage with the tower itself. Uh, when the tower is just a thing that sits there and then occasionally you have to pull a piece from it, like, yeah, it's still, you know, it builds tension and things like that. But I like the idea of like, no, everything you do that is communicating or building anything with this other person has to interact with the tower. And I really like that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think it's very smart. And uh, it, it, it's a inspired way of, of adding tension and and uh like waiting to the game that i thought was very smart Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what about you uh i'm gonna say my favorite thing in the game is the what are two things about me that i don't realize are attraction or attractive mechanic i like that we have a kind of crossover in character creation where you're looking to the other person for things about yourself that you aren't either aware of or perhaps even willing to acknowledge that you might think the things that they find attractive about you are either things that you don't you don't like about yourself that you've you've found you've spent your life dismissing or that you would never have considered that could be attractive traits at all oh yeah i mean the other person can be like oh one of your most attractive traits that i think is your nose and you'd be like oh i've always hated my nose they're like yeah Mm -hmm. but i think it's great 
Yeah, I had a I had a girlfriend for a short time, a long time ago, who said her favorite thing about me was my my hair, which was insane because I have garbage hair. <laughs> Just the worst. Literal my hair is... strands of old spaghetti. Oh yeah, no. I, I basically have the hair of that like AMPM monster. Yes. Whose name I have forgotten? What Tumgus? I have the, I have the hair of Tumgus. Mister Tumgus. Mister Tumgus. <laughs> Who doesn't believe in the moon and Buzz landing. Aldrin. <laughs> Who does, obviously. <laughs> or is a very, very skilled liar. Which is it, Mr. Well, Aldrin? Please don't punch me. <laughs> actually, I've met Buzz Aldrin. I mixed him a drink once. It was Ooh. actually just pomegranate juice mixed with orange juice. Mm, that sounds good, though. It is. That's, I guess that at the time, at least, that was like his signature drink. And I was not supposed to be a bartender, and I got in trouble for bartending. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it wasn't a work function. It's not like I was sneaking into a bar. Rather, there was an. I was still working at the Air and Space Museum. There was an upstairs kind of lounge space where we were going to be meeting to, and there were going to be a bunch of astronauts there because it was like that was the event. Uh, and the bartender had forgotten something and had ran off. And then the event started, and there were like thirsty astronauts around. So I was like, uh, I I guess fuck These it. These astronauts and I got, are so thirsty. <laughs> so yeah. They should play Starcrossed, but I. But yeah, I got behind the bar. Thirsty and I was just sword like, astronauts. I could just. <laughs> how come we can't make that game? Can they still be lesbians though? That'd be really. God important. knows we I mean, can. I don't. I don't yeah, want thirsty to remove sword the... lesbian astronauts. <laughs> Perfect. How come we weren't contacted to write a? Uh, oh wait, I just remember why we weren't contacted to write for that. Oh wait, hold on. It's all. It's. Uh, it's all this maleness. I, yeah. Thank you. Carry on. Carry on. It's all this rugged manliness. <laughs> all these broad shoulders and thick weathered hands. <laughs> and garbage hair. Uh, uh, anyway. uh, you know what? I, I, I could tell you the rest of the story about the time I was briefly an astronaut bartender, but it, it's just I got in trouble and I gave Buzz Aldrin a juice. So let's move forward from there. What was your least favorite thing about this game? And I challenge you to come up with the nicest way to say something mean. Uh, uh, or just don't. I think... <laughs> Uh, my, I would say probably my least favorite thing in this is the lead follow as far as the, uh, opening and closing a scene. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it, like I had mentioned before, I feel like it puts too much pressure on the follow because the I lead is that. just, all right, you start the scene. All right. Well, someone always has to start the scene. That's fine. Yeah. But with the follow, you're like, it's up to me how the flow of this game goes. And I feel like yeah. that's maybe a little too much pressure for one of the characters. Like if you had to mutually decide or if there was just sort of a timer or a, you have X amount of moves, that would be one thing. But them just being able to say, yeah, we're done is uh, yeah. it's, you know, maybe not the best thing in the game. I mean, again, I know it's going to be relying on everybody in the game being actively involved so that they're not they're never going to be like now nah, we're done at a, at a dumb time because they they're aware of the story as well oh but i really, know but I, right. I also I, think I, it just adds pressure to the person who's the follow to be like oh well we're both invested i have to wait until we've both done like both of our scene moves for the scene every single time right where you're i think in my case i would say my least favorite part of that is that the uh the lead 
that that move would happen with or without the lead being responsible for it happening. When you end a scene, another scene starts. It doesn't just not start. So I'm 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 with you. I mean, granted, I know it's because they make the first move in every scene, really, but they are also the first person to push set dressing and all that. Uh, I mean, I'm more or less in agreement with you here. I feel like that that might move a little bit too much responsibility into one player's hands. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say my least favorite thing, though, is how come this game maxes out at two players? How come polyamorous people can't fall in love in this thing? Let's see a three to six player uh, Starcrossed. I'll take it as an expansion if I have to. Look, (laughs) we got three different games that you got to play simultaneously in order to do this. Uh We got a Jenga. We got a Trouble. (laughs) Got to get Kerplunk in there. We got concentration going. (laughs) More board games. If I don't have a popomatic bubble in my next version of Starcrossed, I'm going to be so angry. Do you hear me, Alex? Look, look, Alex, here's the thing. I want to introduce a random poly energy to it. So, And to represent, I think it's called uh, NRE, your new relationship energy, uh, which can just blithely knock down other people's towers in the middle of their regular ass relationship. I want to introduce the dinosaur from Dizzy Dizzy Dinosaur. I was just uh, thinking that. God please. damn it. <laughs> What's wrong? How 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 have we been able to work this long to the point where, without even knowing what you're going to say, my mind is like, well, obviously, dizzy, dizzy dinosaur. That's the most appropriate <laughs> thing to use. That's what fucking ah oh, Jesus. <laughs> well, obviously, at this point, John, you should just knock the tower down. <laughs> Push. I feel like we've had enough scenes. Okay, uh, would you play this game? Oh, definitely. I want to play this game. Uh, you know, I wish that cons were still going on and I could go to them. Yeah, having read it now, I remember one year you and I were at a con. We were Gen Con. We were playing, uh, what was that? Bratz Fashion Par- uh, Passion Prism. Uh, and people were playing... Which is, again, just a dumbass CCG we bought. Uh, but people were playing Starcross at like two tables over using a giant set of Jenga tiles. And it looked like a lot of fun, but I didn't want to go mess with their game. But it did look like something I definitely wanted to try, and I still do. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I mean, every time I've gone to Big Bad Con, there have definitely always been people playing this. When I go into a room, there will be, you know, someone sitting there who is just so into it and it always gets a giant crowd there's always like 10 people surrounding the other two that are just sitting there trying to make this go correctly yeah absolutely this is this is a a solid game that i would love to play suck a dick fog of love (laughs) no fog of love is great i know it's also really good and for that matter, I haven't played this, but I have played a different game by by uh, Alex uh, for the Queen, which is also fantastic. It is. So there, I, that's already a, a recommendation in favor of this definitely being good. So that's a that's a double yes from both of us. Hooray! So uh, there you go. That's that's Star Crossed. We would play this game, and you can still go get it. Unlike most of the games where we strongly advise you to usually avoid these things and leave them in the bin you found them in. This one's on drive through RPG, and it's uh, a relatively good price, and you probably got a copy of Jenga lying around already. Give in. And if you don't, you can go buy the physical version of this from your friendly local game store, uh, mm-hmm. have it come with a tower, get a whole bunch of uh, 
fun things to hold in your hand so you don't just have to look at a printout or that's you know, a thing screen i didn't do any research there's a version of this that comes with the tower sure i think so <laughs> ah, neat I, if we're wrong it's just sold out we're not wrong it's just yeah yeah there you go if mm-hmm. you can't find the one that actually comes with the tower you've done something wrong it, it's on you it's not because we were wrong it's because you didn't try hard enough <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, and if you do want to buy it on DriveThruRPG, don't forget to stop by our website, SystemMasteryPodcast.com, uh, and buy it through our affiliate links so that not only does Alex get some money, but so do we, because that'd be fun. We love getting a little bit of money. Ooh, and I did just look it up. Uh, because of popular demand, it no longer includes the wooden bricks. Oh, wait, why would people popularly demand that it stop care? Oh, I guess because it got more. It's it's lower price, easier to carry the box, stuff like that. Okay, so yeah, yeah. Well, it did, but no longer. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I understand that. I I, and I can get behind it. I'm fine with the PDF because this is an easy game to remember. Oh yeah, and you've got love Jenga, so it already works. (laughs) Yes, I do. I have the dumbest Jenga in the world, and I can't. I, I will never part with it. (laughs) turn around two times and speak in tone of infant (laughs) okay so um with that said as always we do want to float the patreon go on down to patreon.com slash system mastery if you support us at even the one dollar level you'll get our bonus content where we make characters in the game we just reviewed Uh, in this case we're going to have to be a little creative because making characters takes no time at all but don't worry we'll still find a way to make it a full episode Oh, yeah, we're going to have to create the characters, the scenario. You know, we've got to go through all the questions. You know, yep. what are what are we attractive? Like, what do we think the other person is attractive for? Mm-hmm. So so you can still look forward to that. It's not like we're going to give up. We're making we're going to make it happen. We can't even play this game because we can't be in the same room. So we can't play Jenga, because we so hate each other. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's also that. You know what you did. <laughs> we can't and be, it was in the be same hurt room. by me repeatedly. Lest we give in to our passions. <laughs> yeah, I'm I am intimately aware of how far away from you I am right now. Like it's an electric feeling and it's great because it's several miles. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh so that's the Patreon, patreon.com slash system mastery, or go buy our shirts at tpublic.com. Just search for system mastery there. That's all the ways you can give us money. I'm mentioning a lot of them right now because oh that's not even all of them. I'm mentioning a lot of them right now because it's the holiday season, so maybe you need gifts for people. Get a T Public shirt for them with our great low uh, the our, our picture of us that's an awesome picture of terrible people drawn for us by our friend Jess, Angry Artist113 on Twitter. Uh or we have dice and pins on Etsy, and we have a new book coming out. God, do we have merch. <laughs> so much crap. Yeah, the new book's called Dungeon Meister. It is a drinking book. It drinks the book. Yeah, the book, the book drinks. drinks. I'm going to start over. It is a book of cocktail recipes with a strongly role-playing game slant to it. Everything's fun jokes about role-playing games, but it's simple, easy-to-replicate cocktail recipes to make your nerd parties more exciting. 15 bucks. it's on simonandschuster.com or on amazon.com. I don't know how long until that first one is Random House Penguin or whatever, but go buy it now. And I think that's about it. That's all the plugs I want to plug. John, you got anything? Nope. Good. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. We'll see you soon. Until then, you have a good week. 